Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. Today's episode is with Lorna Good, and she talks to us about going from working for Levi's to starting Good Rider and how she's dealt with negative online commenters over the years. Hope you enjoy. Stable Connections is sponsored by Tracy Rainwaters. Dr. Tracy Rainwaters is a doctor of chiropractic specializing in whole being healing for horse and rider. Dr. Rainwaters combines her chiropractic knowledge with animal communication and shamanic energy healing to provide a holistic framework for horses and their humans to find harmony within themselves and with one another. Dr. Rainwaters offers masterclasses, online courses, and workshops that focus on developing our understanding of the equine physical body, breathwork, animal communication, and intuition development. If you're interested in how a whole being approach to healing can help you or your horse, please visit Dr. Tracy Rainwaters' website at www.tracyrainwaters.com. Stable Connections is sponsored by Royal Hands Equine Services, offering bodywork in Maryland and Virginia. Royal Hands Equine Services is an all-inclusive approach to bodywork so you can maximize the benefits for your beloved horse. Whether your horse is for pleasure, competing, retired, or rehabbing, Royal Hands Equine Services supports their physical and mental well-being every step of the way. Text code R-O-Y-A-L to phone number 240-918-4474 to get $10 off your first session. I am originally from Sweden, born in Sweden, but then we moved to England and I lived there until I was six. Moved back to Sweden and then from there to the States when I was 18. Okay, and horses were in your life the whole time? Always. Um, started riding when I was seven. I have two sisters, the three of us rode. My poor mother had to drive us to the barn several times a week and sit there through three lessons because we were three different ages and three different age groups of riding. And where do you fall in that? I'm the oldest. You're the oldest, so you got to lead the way. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Was your mom or dad into horses? How did they come into your life? No. My grandfather, I think, had horses when he was young. But never as us growing up, it was just, we were just all three into it. Like we'd see horses in a pasture and driving in the countryside and we'd make our mom stop so we could pet them kind of thing. And how different were the different countries with the horse care? Did you notice a difference at the time? Not really. I wasn't that much involved when I, we lived in England because I was, you know, young. young. Yep. But both England and Sweden are big horse countries pretty much. You had to learn how to ride like people who learn how to play the piano. <laughs> yeah, cool. And then coming to the U.S., you said at 18? Yeah. Were you happy about that move? Yeah. Okay. I'm adventurous. Okay. <laughs> and still are, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was, you were finished high school at that point. Yeah, we have a different school system, actually. Our high school goes through ninth grade, and then you go to something called gymnasium, which is Kind of like college, you like you choose like a subject. trade school. Yeah, or or you can go to trade school, or you can do continuous education. But I went to design school. Design school mm-hmm. for clothing specifically. Yeah. Okay. And did you know that it was going to be equestrian related? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> and so when did that come into your trajectory? Not until I I went to college in the U.S. 
And then I worked for Levi Strauss and Company for seven years as a designer there. And kind of had taken a break from horses and riding. And it wasn't until I got my first horse back that I saw what's missing, yeah. <laughs> which was fashionable clothes that you could ride in. And where, what state did you land in? And like, where, what states um, were you in? I was in Florida first, and I actually worked as an au pair for a year and a half. Very close with the family still. Cool. Um, they're like my two little brothers. And there I leased a horse for a couple of years and kind of just rode crazy in the vineyards. <laughs> and, or orange groups, I cool. should say. <laughs> Vineyards here. Yeah. And then how did you come to California? When I applied to college, went to FIDM. Oh, that's in SoCal, right? Um, no, there, there's actually a campus in San Francisco. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. What do you feel was the hardest when starting your career path in that? <laughs> I was really driven of where I wanted to work. And Levi's is such an icon company in Europe that... I knew they were in San Francisco, and I basically told whatever the teachers are that lead you on your way. Counselors, said, yeah. Counselors, yes, thank you. I told them that that's the only place I wanted to work. <laughs> and you got it. You did and it. And I, I did. Yeah. I did. And did yeah. you know that you were going to eventually have your own clothing company? No. 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 Levi's was, it's an amazing place to work. I learned a lot. I probably could not have done my business if I had not worked there but they did have a reorg every six months, <laughs> which is good because you become well-rounded. Like I did everything from silver tab to little girls to dockers. They reorg their whole, like, every Who is where in Who certain... Who is where. Yeah. Go from designing jeans to shirts to sweaters to plus size to little kids, so... Is that just so everyone in the workplace is well-rounded? I, you know, I don't really know why they did it, actually. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah. it helped you in the long run, right? <laughs> sure did. So how long were you there? Seven years. And then what came next? I woke up and told my husband that I'm quitting and I'm starting equestrian clothing because there's only khaki breeches and white tops out there. And I'm a fashion designer. I want to look good yeah. <laughs> when I ride. And so what's step number one with that? Well, first of all, I... I stole my merchandiser from Levi's, so she, Kristen Klenner, she's my business partner. Okay. And we both worked late nights after work, started the design of the line, and talked to some people in the industry. We were first actually going to call it Good Dressage, because I wrote Dressage. And good, because that's your last good. name. Yeah. With an E. <laughs> yeah, with an E. <laughs> and and uh, somebody in the industry said, well... There's a whole other field out there with horses. Like, why are you not going to include jumpers and eventers and trail riders? And we were like, ah, smart. <laughs> yeah, inclusive. Yes. Yeah. And so did breeches come first or tops or? We kind of view it differently. Like, we do our mind like a whole little collection. So, you know, breeches and tops and jackets and vests and things that mix and match together, which I don't really think had been done in our industry before it had like definitely like a little edge and push to it but people said oh my god they're so fashion forward (laughs) and how did people in the beginning find you or find out about you um we went to trade shows okay so there's several big trade shows in in the u.s we went to europe as well but it's a harder path europe want to see you at least four or five times before they even think of ordering 
hard to ship there, so we, we now have some distributors and things there instead of selling direct. So. Cool. And do you feel like it was kind of scary in the beginning, or were you just full throttle into it? It was funny because we came from the real fashion world and from a huge company. I wasn't allowed to design anything unless there was at least like 10,000 units cut. So I remember we got our first order. I think it was actually from Shaw's. And he looked at us and he goes, all right, I'll take sticks across. And I'm like, sticks? What does that mean? He's like, yeah, one, 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 one across all your units. And I'm like, you mean 100 each? <laughs> yeah. And, and he's like, no, I mean one each. And that's when I realized, oh, wow, this is a different world. It's a little smaller scale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Was it just you and your partner the whole time with the company? Yeah. And still yeah. is? We have sales reps. Okay. You know, in, in the various regions of, of the country. And we have somebody that works at our warehouse. But it's, it's her and me. We calculate that we do about 17 people's jobs. Oh, wow. <laughs> Damn. What else within that was kind of like helping to inspire you with continuing to keep going with it? Probably when we saw how excited people were about our clothes and, and writing and you know going to different barns and, and seeing people well, like go, wow, something that we can actually wear after we're written. You know, we can go from the barn and beyond, go to the grocery store, pick up kids um, and not look frumpy and dirty pretty much. What else do you feel like your brands, like why did people seek your brand, Good Writer? I think because we really kind of founded the fashion in equestrian and it was something that was a little bit different, not in the market. For instance, we were the first ones to come out with jeans for mm. equestrians Okay. Um, that didn't really exist. Yeah. And I feel like it's still one of the most popular of, I mean, there's, I feel like some other brands that have tried the jean thing, but yours are, well, seem to be the most popular. We kind of the experts on it. Yep. Cool. And what is most exciting for you when designing in terms of like breeches or vests or jackets? Is there one that trumps the other? To me, it starts with fabrics and having good quality fabrics. And that was something that actually didn't really exist in the market either. Equestrian is a sport like any other, but it was so behind as far as like breeches that stretched or full seat leather. Comfort. Yeah. Yeah. And so I get really excited. We work hard together with our mills and obviously have a lot of contacts with that from working with Levi's. We actually developed a lot of these fabrics together with the mills and worked through what, what needed to be. Like people didn't have stretch waistbands. But when we started, low rise was in, but nobody had that. Yeah. I mean, they had like the big ugly pleats in the front. Right. <laughs> um, how long ago did you officially launch Good Rider? We started it in fall of 2004. Is what you guys offer more the schooling side of things or do you offer show clothes as well? A little mix of both. We have show clothing, not so much competition jackets anymore. I really feel like the people that do that are experts in doing that. So leave it to them. Leave it to them. Yeah. Um, but we come up with new show shirts. Um, we have some that are our best sellers every year. Show breaches. Show sure. breaches yeah. as well. And what do you feel is your most popular item? Our jeans. Your jeans? Yeah. Still. Yeah. And we have 
we have several different kinds. We have some that are mid-rise, some that feel more like real jeans, some that have suede. Then we have some that are so super stretchy that they feel like jeggings. Leggings, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and with silicone, because some people prefer that. And we have some that sit higher and some that sit a little lower. Was there a product that came out in the past where you were like, ooh, that did not work, let's reroute? <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because our first whole production that we did, whatever threads that they were using, we were actually, we were in China going over the production. I was pregnant with my son, so I made, my business partner had to try everything on. Uh-huh. And she, <laughs> she's going to hate me for saying this, but she squatted to make sure, like, I'm like, pretend like you're getting on a horse, squat all the way down. Yeah, move sure those legs seams, around. Move the legs around. <laughs> and rip the whole seat of her <laughs> Good thing you did it there and didn't get a whole thing of them. Yeah, but in front of like a whole row of Chinamen that (laughs) we started laughing so hard because it was really funny. Yeah. But they panicked. Everything was pretty much like on the machines and ready to go. And I'm like, all right, what's the quick fix for this? So coming from my old Levi days, I was like, let's just fell the seam, which basically means you, you sew it. And you fold it over to one side and you stitch it again. So if that happens, it's not open. It's, so it's, well, so yeah, it basically stretches. have two or three levels of security with the seam. Like it's basically doubled. Right. Or tripled. Yep. Well, we didn't take in consideration that you're sitting on that and writing on that. That's a weird feeling. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Some we, extra we material. Tens of thousands of units of our very first breaches yeah. and uh, started getting calls like, I'm rubbed raw, I'm bleeding. Oh, no. <laughs> so we had to pull it all back from all the stores, send it back to China and restitch them again. So wow. that was a big whoops. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I feel like things have changed in since 2004 in terms of online sales versus store sales. Yes. That you've seen a big yes. difference. Has this helped the business? It's shifted the business for sure. We are we weren't set up and designed before COVID. We weren't really set up to sell direct. It wasn't what we mm. intended to do. We it wasn't the love focus. our stores. Yeah. We support our stores. But obviously, when COVID had happened, we had you know millions of dollars cancel, and we're sitting on lots of units, and we didn't have a choice but to redo our website and. Go direct. Not to say that we're not supporting our stores, because that's something that we first and foremost want to do, but supporting the direct-to-consumer as well. Well, and I feel like nowadays a lot of people want to sit in their home and order online, too. Yeah. Like, it's hard yeah. because we all want to, or some of us want to support our tax shops, but we also love being able to just be like, huh, let me look at these jeans or see an ad or whatever, and then purchase right then, and right. then... Hopefully yes, and every store work. doesn't carry everything that we they can't. offer. Yeah. So because they carry lots of different brands, so it's also a way for everybody to see the whole collection as a whole. Yeah. So, yeah. And sometimes we don't order a lot of an item because a lot of our stores didn't order it, but our end consumers will see it online and love it, and it'll be sold out in two weeks. Yeah, it's hard to know what people I know. want. We wish we had that crystal ball. Right. Where is your warehouse? In San Francisco. In San Francisco. And have you thought about having a second warehouse or anything, or that's working? 
No, that's working. Um, the only way is if we grew Europe bigger, that we could work something out with having a warehouse in Europe somewhere, but that's probably in the, in the future. Yep. And that's the next question I was going to ask. Is there, do you foresee kind of hopes of growing in a different way with Good Rider? Yeah. Not only do we want to grow Europe and Australia, we're in a few areas there, but the brand also, I'm an avid runner and I do CrossFit and I like clothing that can go from one sport to another. So a big portion of our line is, yes, it has an odd to the equestrian and it looks equestrian-esque, but it doesn't mean that you can't run, hike, bike, Active wear. Any kind of active wear. So I do see a big opportunity to grow the business in that way. And it's interesting because a lot of the big sporting goods stores, they carry everything under the sun for every sport, even canoeing. (laughs) Right. But they don't carry equestrian, which is really interesting to me. And because the tax stores are far and few between. Yeah. So I see an opportunity not only for us, but also for those stores to, to carry something for equestrians. And I, I also think they pick up a lot of people that want to have that look, but don't necessarily ride. It never goes out of style. No. Like Ralph Lauren or somebody will always have a nod. Hermes, Gucci, they always have a nod to, to the equestrian. Yeah. So. And how has your riding been during this whole process? Well, I started the business because of the love for my horses and passion for design and to be able to combine those two is pretty special, Mm -hmm. but it's a lot of work. (laughs) I don't show as much as I, or I should say I haven't shown since my daughter was three, which is, she's about to turn 12. Mm, That's a while ago. Yeah. So you had some years of still showing. I had some years of still showing and then I just got too busy. Yeah. Always dressage though? No, I used to jump. My sister um, actually has a breeding farm in Spain. She has Andalusians. As you know, a lot of our friends have horses from her. They're first and foremost dressage horses. So um, that, and I always loved the sport of dressage. It's it's harder than it looks. <laughs> 100%. I talk about that often, that it's... I don't have a background in dressage. I've had maybe like a handful of dressage lessons. I have a very nice dressage horse, but... I, it's the fine tuning and like I grew up hunter jumper and so even the position of my leg I'm like I can't like my habit is too much to like turn my toe out and pinch at the knee and all these things and so all those little things it's so hard everyone makes it look so easy I know it's and the more you learn the harder it is but also the more fun it is yeah I mean you can master some of the upper level stuff it's yeah. Since coming to California, have you been in this in Sonoma County since moving out here? Um, no, we lived in San Francisco for 10 years. Okay. Um, and it wasn't until I was pregnant with my son that we moved up here. But we started thinking, we bought, actually in 2002, we bought the house up here because I bought a horse. Okay, so the house was for the horse. <laughs> the house was for the horse. And did the horse come from your sister, potentially? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I actually have had three horses from her. Awesome. Yeah. Do you go overseas often still to visit? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, every year. Awesome. Every year. 
And do you travel for Good Rider as well, just to... Yeah, not as much as we used to before COVID. We would go to China twice a year, India, and Europe, but um, with COVID... Slowed everything down? Slowed everything down, yeah. Yeah. Do your... So you have a daughter and a son? Yeah. And do either of them love the horses? My son was forced to ride from a young kid for several years, and he hated it. Oh, yes. He used to cry, and I'm a firm believer that you can't teach your own children. You need to hire somebody else to do it. Yeah. And the teacher said, just drop them off, leave. I don't want you to watch. I don't want you here, basically. Yep. And he had to learn the ropes. He knows everything. He can handle a horse. Finally said, Mom, I'm a boy. I'm the only boy here. Like, like please let me have some dignity. <laughs> some boys would love that. So. I know. And, um, <laughs> What's interesting, though, is so he didn't ride for several years. He's just turned 18. And the other day I took him out and I put him on my stallion. I'm like, hey, do you want to ride? And he's like, I don't know if I can control him. I'm like, it's like riding a bike. It's just going to come right back to you. And he did. He started started trotting, posted immediately. It was incredible. He actually had a big smile on his face. (gasps) Does he realize that? Yeah. That's (laughs) fun. He goes, okay, it's kind of cool. And I said, one day... It's going to become something you want to do. Or you're going to meet a girl that's into horses. And <laughs> she's going to be very impressed if you know how to handle one. Yep. So, again, like brings it back to like in Europe, everybody just needed to know how to ride. Yeah. I think it's a and, good skill yeah. to have. I think being around horses teaches us skills that most other things don't. Yeah. Oh, it's so incredible what horses can teach you. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about owning your horses? Everything. You know, I, I sometimes I have as much fun just like doing tail wash. <laughs> yeah. I have three white horses, so three white. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. I have one and that's enough. So yeah. <laughs> Lots of tail washes, but just being with them and you know, taking care of them, brushing them, grooming them, um, sometimes can be as just satisfactory as riding. My husband when I first started my business and I I would leave. I'd be in China for 10 days. We couldn't afford to hire trainers and people that take care of the horses. So he had to lunge them. And he realized very quickly that he couldn't come running in from work, rushing and trying to get it done in 20 minutes. The energy would go straight to him, through to the stallion. Mm -hmm. And it would be a bad experience. So he's like, wow, they really teach you to calm down and focus. And... That's what I love. Like I, I dress like this in the morning every day, hoping that I will have time to ride. Yeah. So at least if I go, unless I'm... Like, You're ready. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. But when I do take the time to go do it, I, I don't rush. Like, you know what? Here's my hour and a half to myself and my horse. And it's like, it's like therapy. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree. And I think for me too, like if I only have... 30 minutes if I, I I try not to when I have time with my horse to not plan anything after or if I do it's like I have three solid hours if all I'm doing is lunging that day and I know it's only probably going to take less than an hour I want to make sure I have plenty of time for if if I want to wash him or if I want to do his mane or you know all of that uh do you leave your horse's manes long I do you do yeah cool the longer the better (laughs) I agree I definitely agree and what's your main maintenance like? Like, what do you do 
in terms um, of if you braid it or wash it or my stallion that went back to Spain had literally the longest mane in the world and it was a lot a lot a lot of work like we we did long loose braids on him because it it would mat otherwise yeah. yeah and he probably um, do you have to fold it up because he would eat it no okay we didn't fold them up but we left them long my other stallion is 26. He's actually the horse that's on our logo. Oh, cool. The outline of him is on our logo. Awesome. So he's the reason for a good rider, really. But he has, he's semi-retired. He still sounds, we ride, we ride him, but he is actually very lucky. He gets to be on an acre mm. pasture. So he's itched out. He's made a little bit, but he's allowed to be a But horse. he's a horse, yeah. yeah. He does not want to go into a stall anymore. He looks at me after we're done and he's like, I'm coming with you, right? Yeah. And is your third one a stallion as well? Not anymore. Okay. I, I had three stallions. Two of them are gelded. Okay. And the third one is a mini. A mini? Yeah. And still a stallion? No. Not he's a stallion. The, he's, he's the, the gelded one. Yeah. Did but he... he was the wildest of them probably. <laughs> <laughs> Have you done anything with him in terms of training or anything? Um, my kids rode on him. He was actually trained to uh, pull a cart. Oh, cool. And he was... Somebody's supposed to be somebody's breeding stallion, but he got two inches too tall, so he got kicked out of the breed. Oh, he's a tall mini. Yeah. <laughs> and because he was a tall mini and kind of bigger and stronger, I thought, oh, well, then we can break him in and the kids can ride him. So when they were little, they rode on him. I actually take him running. He loves it. Our property butts up to 800 or 1,000 acres of vineyards in the back. Oh, wow. That I have permission to go into. So my, my big stallion actually loves to go running. Sometimes if I, don't, if I only have a half hour or something, we'll go for a run. They love it. Dude, but that would be so funny to watch you go running with your little <laughs> mini next to you. Oh. And do you feel, I feel like there's specific people that are stallion girls and not stallion girls. Do you consider yourself a stallion girl? For sure a stallion girl, but a stallion girl that's gotten a little humbled because my other stallion that came over became dangerous okay too much horse too too way too much horse yeah. even for like a big guy way too much horse so we we yelled at him okay and you said one of them got sent back he also got sent back same horse yeah okay yeah he needs some more training okay so did he go back to your sisters he went to my sister's trainer cool where, where he came from like i kept him in training there for a while so yeah and have you done any breeding with the stallions that you had here before no, you gelded? No, and I wish I'd bred with Kaleo, my first stallion, because he's amazing. Yeah. How much has the, the clothing line kind of shifted over the years in terms of what you offer? Well, it's bigger. There's a bigger offering. Um, we've gone from not just offering breeches to also tights to offering a broader variety of different jackets like to cooler to warmer to some really heavy down pieces yeah it's definitely grown from the first I think maybe we had 10 pieces in the line when we first started to now it's more than double more than double yeah. and do you offer accessories and stuff as well well that's really exciting <laughs> because um coming in Spring 2024, we have launched Good Dog. Good Dog, yeah. cool. Okay. Because I don't know a single horse owner that doesn't also own dogs. But here's the fun thing: we're doing matching halters 
that Cute. matches the dog collar and the lead rope and the leash and also belts for the rider. Oh my gosh, so you can have your halter, your collar, and your belt all match. Yeah. How cute. <laughs> Was this your idea? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And it's actually, it's going to hit when it's our 20th anniversary. So it's like a fun new thing that we're adding. We also have like, well, we're adding some really pretty saddle pads and um, some fly bonnets. Cool. All that stuff is kind of gotten popular now and I think it will just broaden our audience. Well and it's popular with the hunter jumper crew and the dressage crew which Yeah. 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 And so we're doing them for both. Yeah. Um I'm really excited. Yeah. I'm like almost as, as excited as when I first started business. Well it's yeah like it's a new adventure. Yeah. That's yeah. I think that's the fun of being an entrepreneur and like kind of headlining your own thing for me whether it's this podcast or whatever is you get to a certain place and it feels good with the growth and then you're like but what else can we do what's the next thing yeah and then jumping in like giving yourself that adrenaline rush again of like and maybe it'll work maybe it won't but like doing that again and that might opening the door with the dog stuff might open the avenue for other pet stores and other things like that too which is awesome absolutely yeah yeah, and I think in terms of getting into other, we didn't really go over it, but in terms of getting into other like big five or sports stores, have you approached them yet and then they say no? I have tried to get into a couple of them for many, many, many years and they won't talk to me. They're missing out. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I agree. We never give up. So never, ever give up. So we keep trying and we have some new tools, some new marketing decks and things that we're putting into place so cool i'm gonna keep going after them and have you ever thought of having your own storefront or that's not a thing you want to do no online is is enough that that creates a a huge other business that we didn't have before so online is that's our storefront (laughs) yeah and how do people what's your website if people were interested in looking at your product um it's goodwriter.com with an e with an e cool writer with an e yes and we use Shopify and we have free shipping for your returns. Cool. Awesome. Does your husband still spend time with the horses? Very rarely. Very rarely. But he will do it if he has to. If, he, if he's forced. <laughs> yeah. And he actually, he's actually a good rider. We go to Spain every year. We would put him on the um, green horses because he's a 200 pound guy and the horse would be very green and he wouldn't try anything. Where one time my sister and I are two stallions and he's on a mare behind us and all of a sudden we hear this voice and he's like, not on the trail, he's <laughs> up in between the trees and he goes, Lorna, Teresa, this one's hard of steering. <laughs> and I, Nothing I look at my sister and like, she's like, no one ever rode out on it before. Oh my God. <laughs> but the horse didn't try anything because it was kind of in shock that somebody had me sitting on him. So That's so funny. Does he know this oh we told him yeah he's like thanks for making me a guinea pig but he makes he's like laughs about it yeah yeah oh. he's an athlete yeah because that could get pretty sketchy yeah <laughs> yeah but he's he's he, fine he's fine yeah yeah that's cool um i know we talked about it a little bit before we recorded but do you want to talk about kind of like the trolling that occurs and how you deal with that oh the trolls online yeah um I mostly laugh at it. I don't take it too serious. I think it's people that are bored or don't have anything to do and maybe a lot of times don't really know what they're talking about. Yeah, and this includes kind of 
commenting or you know on Instagram Facebook all of that and I've seen I've read some of the comments because I know some of the models that you have in your advertisements and yeah like people can be really mean and not actually know what they're talking about yeah I think the ones that get to me is when they say that we're mean to the horses because we love animals I mean I started this business because of my love for horses so the fact that we would like treat an animal not nice or do something that could hurt an animal never Never. yeah and this is someone who might comment because in the advertisement there is a double bridle and they don't know anything about what a double bridle is or what it does and they just see a bit in their mouth and then they assume yeah these things instead of messaging and being like hey what is this for they come at you with judgment instead of curiosity and where do you go riding everywhere i I did this amazing ride in France a couple of years ago with my sisters, uh, and we rode on endurance Arabs, literally from chateau to chateau. It's the most amazing trip I've ever taken in my life, but it really opened up my eyes to trail riding again, and I absolutely love it. Yeah. So if somebody said you can only choose one thing from now on, it would be going out on trails. And um, I have a couple of friends of mine that during COVID, it's all we did. We rode out almost every day. Yeah, that's all I do. Yeah, oh, it's the best, <laughs> It's right? the best. It's the best. Yeah. yeah, It's and we're so fortunate in this area. Like, we have so many regional parks. We have the beaches. We have different places. Like, yeah, the trail riding around here is... We can go to, yeah. I wish, if there was anything that I wish that the equestrian community could do is get together in neighborhoods where there are a lot of horses and do easements. Huh. Um, in yeah. Europe, we have um, a law called Allemansretten, all man's law, where you're allowed to go on people's private property mm. as long as you're not disturbing, as long as you are closing safe. gates behind yeah. you and you're being safe. You can ride on you know, big fields or forests, or and that I really miss from Europe. Like, the fact that you can just go anywhere. And I feel like... They're more accepting there of the horse community. Cars respect them. They will, you know, stop, slow down. Whereas here sometimes... Not so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, and easements, is that like bridle paths? What we call yeah, bridle paths? paths. I had that in the town I grew up in, in Chatsworth, See, where we had that. That would be amazing. They're still there, just no one really uses them. But yeah, they're like these, you know, six, I don't know how wide, six, seven feet. And then they have railings and it's like next to the sidewalk. And it's perfect. Like, it's amazing. I know. And we have so much land and property here. Yeah. And I I wish we could create something like that. I really do. I wonder if it's a liability thing and that's why they stopped or don't put them in anymore. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. In Europe, they don't sue as much. Well, and specifically in California is where we are. And so there is that kind of fear of it. Yeah. 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 Even though, you know, with horses, it's your own... accountability yeah yeah but we still got liability forms and all the things so um cool well that might be your answer to the question but what is something within the community that you want to see evolve or change and then how can you help with that change (laughs) that that would be it that would yeah would be it yeah Um, more more riding accessibility and in our area i wish there were some bigger nicer barns that 
have a more of a community feel where there's like a swimming pool and tennis and like where it's like all inclusive and equestrians there as well. It doesn't exist here. Whereas on the East Coast, I feel like there's so many clubs like that. Yeah. Um, that I, I really wish I like. I think that a lot of people would use it. Courses is like, I think, bigger than wine. I In this area, if you, if you take everything that's included with horses, like farriers, vets, feed, hay, all the stuff, I think it's bigger than the wine industry. So we could do it if we all band together. We could. Yeah. What do you think step one would be in doing that? Finding somebody that's willing to do it. <laughs> You're not going to make your hand? No? You don't have so much time on your hands no. to do that? Cool. Um, well, you get to ask me one question. Is there a question you want to ask me? Yes. How did you get started with horses? And obviously this podcast, you're doing it because of your passion for horses, right? Right. Um, so with horses, I grew up in Southern California and we, around the age of seven, my mom and dad bought a little two acre property. And so I had my horse, we had a few horses in the backyard and kind of built it. It was actually a foreclosure house that we purchased. My mom was an architect, so we rebuilt the house and then half the property was horses half the property was like normal house swimming pool garden kind of thing and we just had horses in my backyard and then at that time my trainer was actually across the street and it was on a dirt road like a quiet end dirt road so i was able to tack my pony up and then walk across the street and go to my trainer and get my lessons and stuff so it was kind of a dreamy situation And so from like seven to 13, I think it was, I was in the A Circuit Hunter Jumper shows down in SoCal, took a long break for like 11 years and then came back to it teaching beginner lessons and summer camps. One and only time I ever have to do that. That was exhausting, but it was a good way to get back into it. And then from there, just have been in it ever since. I was assisting Hunter Jumper trainers. I started a business doing PEMF, which is what I do now, aside from this podcast. I started an online equestrian consignment shop where you know people that have a bunch of tack that they don't want anymore, they would I would sell it for them and get a percentage. I started that in 2016, I don't do it anymore, but then just kind of every, every few years, I'll have something else that I'm doing, so, but. Never going to leave the horse community. No. Never. And <laughs> Never. that's what's great about our sport, right? You can do it until you're 90. Yeah, and you can learn. You can continue to... If you're open to learning, you can always learn more. Yeah. It's very fun. Which is amazing. Yeah. But it should come with a warning that everybody takes that little break, right? Like yeah. Usually it's around college or well, getting if they don't, or then... having kids. But then when you get into it, when you're an adult... It like hits you worse. Mm-hmm. Like you become almost more horse crazy than when you were a kid. For sure. Well, and I think if you don't take that break, there's when burnout happens. Yeah. Like some of us just need to step back and do life or get married or have kids or, you know, do something else. But if you are a true horse person, it's in you and you're going to come back to it. Yeah. So cool. Well, thank you for chatting with me. Thank you. Hello again, and thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Stable Connections, the podcast. This is your host, Shauna Burke, and if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, don't forget to tune in every single Monday morning for a new episode. Follow along on Facebook and on Instagram. 
And if you or someone you know wants to sponsor an episode, please visit www.stableconnectionsthepodcast.com. Also, I wanted to mention, whether you listen to all episodes or just this one, it really helps the episode if you share on your story, if you post, or if you leave a review on Facebook, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. See you next week! Bye!